Welcome to Running is Bullshit. I'm Stuart. And I'm Amy, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. And I was going to kick us off talking all about actual running things and no dog update straight away, but just before we started recording, Finley looked very cute on your shoulder and then ran away to throw up. Yeah, not related really, but yeah, he likes to pick his moments to be sick all over the floor, so that was just a perfect moment really. He's he's now sat looking very sorry for himself next to the door, so I think he feels a bit embarrassed, a bit sad, so I I don't want to talk about it too much, I don't want to embarrass him. Okay, yeah, oh, bless him, poor boy. Um, and also, like, instead of tea today, I've just got it back in from a long run, and it was quite warm, and just because I can, I've got some cider instead, so I could be a lot more fun, or I could be a lot worse today. It's all downhill from there, you know, you start having cider on a long run, after a long, not on a long run, after a long run, then it's on That'd a long right. run, then it's before a long run, then it's before work, and it all goes downhill. There is a famous story in our club of um, a long run that a group went out and did on a Sunday and someone stopped off at a local pub. They thought to go to the toilet and she got a pint of snake bite in black. <laughs> I thought it was going to be about somebody else, but then you said she and I was like, okay. Yeah, because there's yeah, another, seen it for a long while. There's another person from our club where we went on a Sunday long run and then afterwards we went for like Sunday lunch and they just ordered themselves a whole bottle of red wine. <laughs> yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i think we all know runners like that yeah you do you yeah (laughs) yeah anyway running um i've got a thing to talk about running just to uh start us off just for a bit of a change and a controversial statement which is perhaps we should be nicer to faster runners i know that's outrageous but and obviously i don't mean all the time because quite often they deserve the abuse but a specific thing that we all do and have probably been on the end of as well but faster runners get this all the time is when someone says oh i didn't have a very good 5k i felt really heavy and you respond you come back you go what it was 19 minutes that's awesome i'd love to run that fast that's so much better than me and that can be transferred like to any time or distance really if you say i only ran a two and a half hour half there'll be people saying that's amazing i'd love to run even a three hour half you know, there are times to be supportive and build someone up for a hard effort. And there are times when you need to respond by understanding their level and say, oh, shit, I'm, I'm sorry. What do you think went wrong? Or don't worry about it. You've got plenty of speed left in you. You know, there's also times where someone runs their guts out because it, they don't quite hit an ambitious target. And then you can build them up and tell them they did well. But constantly referring to someone else's speed relative to your own doesn't actually help either of you. I just thought there's something to think about next time you kind of reflexively respond to your disgustingly fast friend because i think we all do it they say oh it wasn't very good it was only an 18 and a half minute park run and you're like fuck off that's amazing that's so much better than me but for them if they're used to running 16 minutes that is a crap time for them and obviously they you know for whatever reason they haven't run as well it's the same as you if you're a 25 minute runner you run a 30 minute park run that's still better than a 45 minute park run but it's it's very particular to your level and i just think people need to just to remember because faster runners probably get that every single run they ever have yeah anything with running is relative i always feel self-conscious when i say that i run something really slowly because i'm always worried people are going to come back and say well that's not slow what about me i run it at this minute mile and that's much slower so are you saying that i'm even slow i'm like no no for me that's slow and that's not where i want to be at the moment like it's all relative i don't care what minute mile you're running to be quite frank it doesn't matter it's all it's all relative so yeah yeah it it is tricky because i said there are times when people say oh i did really badly and you then you sometimes you do have to say fuck don't be a dick you didn't actually do badly you did really well you're just being too hard on yourself you have to know that person a little bit but if generally if that's what they feel a run was you kind of have to go with that 
and don't compare them to yourself because it doesn't really help yeah and also calling out people if they're doing a humble brag though like oh i run it so slowly like oh my god i did a 18 minute 5k and it was so slow it's like okay come on yeah yeah there is humble bragging there as well there's a lot of levels to this what i've discovered in the course of saying this out loud um but i think you do have to just be a little bit careful and not always kind of have a go at someone for being faster than you because it's not their fault exactly <laughs> yeah it's just memory is all relative like if, you, if somebody says they're, they've done a slow run or a fast run that's for them not really compared to other people i guess it is there we go we've talked about a serious running thing in the first five minutes of the podcast fantastic well done us now we can talk about shit for the rest of the podcast we've done our bit oh there's an there's an amy story isn't oh, there oh there is an amy story okay so last sunday i had amy stories a, i'll take you back to last sunday I had the Great Fall of 2020. And when I wrote the Great Fall of 2020, I was trying to remember whether I'd had any other falls in 2020 that I talked about on the podcast. And I can't remember. I probably have fallen in 2020 at some point. But this was the biggest fall I think I've ever had in my life, to be honest. Amazing. I know, I know. So um, I took Pippin out on a run with me again. Again, doing the same thing I normally do. She's just like walking alongside me. I'm the one mainly running. Um... She ran beautifully the whole way. There was a few moments. She's not properly trained to run with me. You know, she's doing really well. This is only her second time, and she quite naturally just plodded alongside me, which is great. But there were a couple of times, understandably, where she just suddenly stopped in front of me. Um, and I'd say to her, I'd be like, on, on, and, you know, I, I talk. I don't know where anyone else does this when they're running with their dogs, but I talk to her like a person. Like, just oh, chatting fine, along, yeah. and I'm like, Pippin, you can't keep stopping like that because I will fall over you and I will hurt myself. Now, you may think this is like, you know, foreshadowing something that's going to happen, you know, and my grateful it's not because it wasn't Pippin I fell over. It was like a tiny little ridge in the pavement that I fell over. Aww. So I, I spent all the run saying to Pippin, don't stop suddenly in front of me. I will fall over you. On the homeward stretch, literally half a mile to go into a home and it was downhill. And so I tripped over because I always, it's always those red slab things that I trip over. Um, but because I was running with Pippin, and I got to that point in my run, I said to her, only half a mile to go, Pippin, let's go. And she started running all excitedly. I tripped. And so two things happened. Happened. I was going quite fast because she was pulling me along, you know, running home. Mm-hmm. And then because I didn't want to drop Pippin's lead, I held my arms up and my knees took like the full force of the fall. Nice. And I mentioned the red bricks because they're completely smooth, but the massive road rash i had have on my leg would make you think everyone was saying oh so it was really gravelly did you clean it out and stuff i'm like no there was no gravel whatsoever i hit the ground so hard and i skidded and it took mm. all the skin off the side of my knee Ooh. and uh, they've got quite sharp edges i guess oh it, it's just it, yeah. it's like a skid mark basically i've taken the top layer of my skin off and it was nice. so at the, at the time it happened i stood up and i went to carry on running because i think the adrenaline i hadn't quite registered it <laughs> And then within a few steps, I had to stop because it was so painful. Um, I had to sit at the side of the road uh, and I rang my partner and I'm like, I've just fallen over. (laughs) And I think it was the heat and the shock. I started to feel really woozy. I'm like, can you call your mum and tell her to come pick me up? Because neither of us drive. So I was like, can you? Half a mile. Yeah, 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 exactly. I started to feel really woozy. And then mum only lives around the corner. So I was like, can you call your mum and tell her to come pick me up? And can she bring me a water as well? And I just sat at the side of the road with Pippin, just waiting for her to come pick me up. But it was, yeah, 
it was really painful. Like after a bit, after sitting down for a bit, I started to feel a bit better. But there's a picture on Instagram because my partner came and met me as well. She was out walking the other dogs, so she came and took Pippin. And the first thing I said to her was like, "Can you take a picture for the podcast?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. First thing I thought was content. Yes, of course. But it was just insanely, insanely painful. And when we got back, um, my partner was like cleaning off the wound with a damp towel and I, I cried. It was so painful. It was like really Aww. horrible, like really stingy pain. But I, it, it's still really painful now, just the scab. Like the knee itself seems fine. I think it's just bruised. Like there's no damage to that, I don't think. But all the side of my leg is just one big scab and one big bruise. And like whenever something like slightly brushes against it, it's... It, for the first week, it's better now, a bit better now, but it was just insanely painful. So if a dog jumped up at me or anything like that, it's just immensely painful. And on the first night, um, we didn't have any dressings. So I had, we had like the tape for the dressings, but we didn't have any dressings. So I had to use a sanitary towel, um, obviously not the sticky side, the other side, against my knee, which was the perfect... Okay, so like... Ladies, the ones you wear, the thick ones you wear overnight, that was the perfect size. That'll give you an idea of how big <laughs> this graze was. I don't want to even use the word graze because it's bigger than that. So I had that. I had to tape it around my leg and to go to bed because it was just, it, it was like weeping and it was just painful and it was horrific. Yeah, so that was that was the great fall of 2020 and all other falls pale in comparison. I've even hurt my arm. I've got like a little bruise you can hardly see on the end of my elbow. But all of my, um, what's this top bit called? <laughs> all of this part of my arm. Bicep? Bicep. All of my bicep. <laughs> all of my bicep is hurts as well. I think it was like the, the shock when I fell, like going up my arm. Mm. So, cause my, Pull on the lead as well. Yeah, think. yeah, exactly. I'm kind of glad I did have pipping because I feel like if I fell that hard and I put my hands down first, I feel like I may have broken something like a hairline fracture mm. or something because it was just, I hit the ground so hard. Like so oh. so hard. I've never all those times I've moaned about falling over before. This was like I haven't run in a week because every time I get up from whatever position I'm in, we're all like sit down. My knees it's just immensely painful because it's the scab like on that. Yeah. It's, it's like on the knee joint. So every time in my leg, I can just feel it and it's awful. Yeah. So. <laughs> that, great news. That was well the done. great fall of 2020. There's pictures on my Instagram. <laughs> Can we use that as the cover photo we for this can. episode? I might take a picture of the scab yeah. as well. So Good, I've got, yeah, um, yeah, that'd be terrific. I posted a picture on my story, which obviously will have gone now. But I've got a picture when I first did it, and I had a golf ball size, literally a golf ball, like it was nice and circular um, on the side of my knee where I fell. It that just, was fun. It just it swollen up so much. So, um, yeah, that was the great fall of 2020. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing with us. <laughs> I have a much more minor dog-related injury as well. I went for a walk with William and some people last week, and I had a Gordon Setter run full pelt into my shin, and that really, really hurt. You know when the dogs are sprinting at you, and you think you're not sure to get out of the way, because they usually go past you at the last second, but when they get closer and closer and closer, I thought, no, I'll stand my ground straight into me like a good 30 kilos of setter into my shin Jesus. oh that, that really hurt because we've got herding dogs and obviously pippin's not but like they tend to know how to avoid you they can come running at you but the last minute they'll go around so i never worry about my dogs running into yeah, it me depends if they're distracted oh well but finley's always been finley's like very much on it he'll pretend to run at you and he'll dart off and but when we're at the park if they're playing with labradors 
you got to hit the ground when a Labrador comes by. Because they'll just barrel yeah. you over. They don't care. They do not care. <laughs> uh, well, I've just been on a very lovely run, which is why I'm, I'm just drinking now, because I want to. Um, we went took William for a nice walk, and then I decided to run home. It was a nice 12 miles over kind of a bit of a mountain through Caerphilly back down the Taff Trail. It was very nice. Nice new kind of runs for me. Much hotter than I expected. Really lovely up on the mountains there. Really kind of lovely big sky and lots of new places for me to run. So I, I had a, I've had a quite a lovely run today. And I've shaved all my beard off. Yes. So that's good. Well, not all my beard. I've got a little bit of beard. You should have opened otherwise that would be that. really strange. You should have opened I should have done. It's big news. Yeah, but it's a podcast. People can't see me and people probably don't know what I look like anyway. So I've I, I basically I've been growing a beard since lockdown started. And I was looking for a good excuse to get rid of it because there's no obvious end to lockdown now, but they just kind of started getting annoying. So like almost six months worth of beard just came off this morning and it was a lot of fun. And my head now looks really tiny. <laughs> it does. The way where you were running then near Caerphilly, is that part of the route for the new Pegasus Ultra? The uh, Is it pronounced the Rhythm? Is that how they're pronounced? Rhythm or Rhythm? Rhythm? Rhythm. I'm, I'm going on with Rhythm. Rhythm. Um, no, it's not quite, but it's very close to there. I have entered that ultra, so that'll Somewhere. be you, that'll be too. You've already ultras. entered for September next year. Yeah, well, I'm not doing the Vogum this year just because of lack of training mm-hmm. and probably a good idea now. I think it's this weekend. I think it might be tomorrow. I today. think it's today. Today, yeah. So I'm not doing it this. You're year. You're not doing that apparently. So no, <laughs> obviously I'm not doing it. Um, so I'm doing that in June next year. So I'm doing this the the Rydum, the Rhythm, whatever it is in September, which is it sounds great, like 30 miles. Yeah. I don't think I've really run around the area before, so it'd be nice to do somewhere that I'm not actually familiar with, in a way, because uh, yeah. the Vogum's nice, but I have already run a lot of that area, so it was a bit, you know, I've already seen this sort of thing, um, mm. so it'd be nice to run somewhere I hadn't before. So that's like mid-September next year, what yeah. date roughly are you planning on pulling out? It'll be the week before, when I realise that yeah, I've only okay. run like 10 miles in training, so yeah. Thanks to or... uh, Reese's very flexible um, <laughs> refund policy. <laughs> Or I just won't turn up, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah okay. even though there's refunds, I just won't turn up. So uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and my usual thing with races: enter them, don't bother turning up. <laughs> Excellent, it's the way to go. Uh, Amy, super exciting time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a drum roll. The our competition from last week from your mum has very kindly given us stuff to give away. Mm-hmm. So I'm just burping because of the cider. Um, we had 69 entries. Which would be funny, but actually a couple of them were duplicates, so it was a little bit less than that. So thanks to the people who did that and ruined it. Um, I'm going to put all those names into a list randomizer, and whoever comes out on the top of that list is going to be the winner. And then if they don't respond, well, we'll just work down the list till we find someone that does. Are you you ready for this, Amy? It's really exciting. I'm going to click a button that you can't see. And for all you know, I'm making things up, but I'm not. Mm. Are you ready? I'm ready. The winner is Emma Davies. Well done. Congratulations. Uh, Emma Davies will be in touch with you probably quite soon if I remember to do it straight after we record this. And you will have a box of cool running stuff from Amy's mum. Yay. What else could anyone wish for? You know? <laughs> what else could anyone wish for? It's top it's of fantastic. everyone's Christmas list. <laughs> well, yeah. And if, if she doesn't want it, she can just hang on to it and re-gift it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the beauty of these sort of gifts, you know? There'll always be something that you don't fancy. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> So to the last episode, you know, there's a, a story that I forgot to do for the last episode, which I really feel like I should have done. I tweeted it out as the last episode went out as well. But I'll just re- go over it here again because it's it's that good. Um, my new running bag, uh, I was going to use it the next day and I had it out and I just kind of left it on the floor because, you know, obviously that's where it lives uh, with the tube uh, unattached from it and left down there. So in the morning, filled up the bag, attached it. 
uh, took it into the car and was on my way. And I went to kind of, I was on the, on the way to the run. I went to have a bit of a drink from it, but I kind of did it fairly gingerly because it's a new bag. So it still really tastes of plastic because, you know, I haven't cleaned it properly. And as I kind of, as I, as I sucked, I'm doing the action as well, which is not great on camera. <laughs> I just kind of felt something hard go into my mouth through the tube. I was just like, oh God, what is that? And just as I went to spit it, it was just, just as it passed my lips, as I went to spit it, I felt it move a little bit. Oh no, I feel <laughs> like a full body shudder there. And I kind of spat it into my hand and it was an earwig, which I threw it into the bottom of the car and stood on very quickly and spat out the rest of the water. So obviously that had uh, made a little home for itself in the tube of my running bag. Um, <laughs> so I, I nearly drank an earwig. That's disgusting. That's my, that's my fun story. So just to everyone to check their running bags before you attach them, if you've left them out anywhere, uh, just check the tube for earwigs first. I think your tube and your running bladder is probably cleaner than mine, though, because I don't think I've ever cleaned mine. I don't know how to. Do, do people clean well, it? Like, stick it in the freezer. That's the best way. Really? I might do yeah, that. If any ba- yeah, because if there's any shit in it, that will freeze it and get it. Does it not um, affect the structural integrity of the plastic? Hasn't to mind so far. Because I, I on my old one, I did the whole whole thing with washing up liquid, and you cannot get rid of the taste of washing up liquid out of it once you put it in. You could probably use like bicarbonate soda or something like that. But I, I'm starting to sound like your nan and how to clean things. Yeah, I did probably. I'll just, I'll just get used to the bacteria gradually as it builds up and build up an immunity yeah. to it, and never have to. Eventually, you'll be invincible. And then, like fish, if you wash it too quickly, I'll die. You know what I mean? Like if you just wash it and give it yeah. back to me. I'll just die. Oh, yeah, like the withdrawal. Yeah, yeah, from the bacteria. So <laughs> I'll become dependent on it, and then I won't be able to cope without it. So so there's my fun story, and no one else will be using the hydration packs for the rest of the D- year. Disgusting. That's like the thing. The stuff of nightmares, really. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. Um, so we had some messages. Ian Thompson at Cheney Headshot. He's tweeted. He say, wait, wrist phone holder lady uses Benny from Crossroads as a cultural reference with impunity. Yeah, I'm given a hard time over it a few weeks ago. Tish, phones are too bloody big these days to run with anyway. iPod, Nano and basic GPS watch is all you need. Uh, for the first part, uh, yes, anyone can use Benny from Crossroads now as a cultural reference because that's podcast lexicon now. That's how it works. <laughs> You've used it first, you get mocked for it because it's a weird reference. And now we're going to use it for anyone that ever wears a woolly hat. Yeah, exactly. It's, that's how it works. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and also, phones are too bloody big these days. <laughs> all right, Dad. Sorry. God. No wonder he remembers Benny from Crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> Alison in Galway. Where are you from, Alison? I'd like to know. Um, says, not sure it's running is BS exactly, but swimming in the sea in the afternoon when you've done a long run that morning is BS as your legs don't work and you nearly drown. Humble brag. Or is that just me being a useless swimmer? Now, I know why triathlons start with the swim rolling on the floor laughing emoji. Uh, yeah, just um, just mentioning there. How cool you are swimming in the sea after your long run. Good for you. Yeah, just go. Oh, I see those people on Instagram that's like, oh, I've just been for a run. Now I'm going to jump into the sea at Barry Beach and do some swimming. And the waves are really high, but I'm not scared because I'm really. It feels so amazing. It's so refreshing. Yeah, it's January and it's minus 10 degrees. (laughs) Yeah, right. Good for you. Fine. Uh, at Claire Skelsey says has the best time a few weeks back when I developed runner's colitis for the first time ever running in a place with no escape <laughs> worst 8.3k of my life but I can most definitely laugh about it now just don't go on the camel trail between Wadebridge and Padstow okay oh 
I, I, she did a bad thing. <laughs> she did a very bad thing. Also, no escape. That's very ominous. I don't think I want to go on that trail anyway. There is no I, I escape. That means like a trail that's like fenced in either side. I assume, <laughs> not like if she didn't go to it in a prison or something. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, anyone between Wade Bridge and Padstow, just be careful because a bad thing happened yeah, there. I'd leave it a few weeks. You know. Um, Liz Reese at Lizzie Wigster says, inspired by Amy, me and Ruth followed what we thought was a path at Pontesil Reservoir. It wasn't. Cue mud, brambles, streams, climbing, steep muddy banks, slipping down on our bums, etc. Bullshit, but fun. If you haven't done that on a trail run, you haven't had a trail run. You haven't done it properly, no, no. absolutely. If you haven't got lost and had to uh, scramble through some shit, no, absolutely. I just think it just shows how much city runners we are because all these things start with i thought it was a trail but it wasn't like i'm sure if you're experienced uh, with running and i got trails. completely lost and it was terrifying like you were 50 yards away from the path <laughs> and there was just a, there's a great photo of ruth like shouting at a tree as yeah, well that's hilarious yeah but it's just looking back on it once you've been lost you think yeah that really wasn't a trail that looked nothing like a trail but in your yeah. adult mind when you've done however many miles you're like yeah, that, that's the basically a bit of a trail bit of a clearing there's some, there's some bushes on the ground and some brambles but i'm sure it'll be fine or... uh next one sbc is furious about this one by the way uh this is from nosebug nina ninu lindholm on twitter she says i only drank 500 milliliters of water during a marathon legs cramped completely brackets my foot was twitching and i was doubled over and stumbling a lot Made it over the finish line with the power of gherkins and salts. I may need to work on hydration. Yeah, I think you may, Nina. Yeah. You drank less than a pint f- during a marathon. You mad woman. Like, you've been training for this marathon for about 40 weeks now. I've seen your Strava has been ridiculous for all year now. And you and you do that. Come on. Yeah, so is this her most... Because I saw her out on a run the other day. So is this her most recent marathon that she's run? Yeah, it's happened like last week in uh, Finland. You know, it's interesting because I don't know whether she... I haven't been following people's Strava that closely, but she told me when I I saw her that her training plan was only three runs a week for a marathon. uh, It was like a long run, obviously. Obviously, you do your long runs. And then it was like... I can't... She told me all about it, but I thought that was really interesting. It's supposed to stop you from getting injured. Just three runs? Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Oh, I know. Yeah, hydration plan uh, needs to be worked on as well as the training plan next time. Definitely. Victoria Dick at Mrs. Bridgewater. Uh, People, so she's talking about bullshit here and she says, people beeping at runners happened this week. Must admit that I gave the driver the old one finger salute and swore vocally and colourfully. Then spent the next three miles panicking that they were people I knew beeping to be friendly, but rationalised that it was a very angry beep. (laughs) It's hard to know sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Because I've got a very little car, um, and it kind of looks quite cute. And if you go to give someone a beep, it goes honk. And so it's very difficult to do a friendly beep. I get, usually, if it's like a beep beep, that's kind of more of a friendly beep than just a beep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why people beep at runners because we find that a lot of when we're out on our club runs, especially in the winter when we're running in yeah. the dark, and people are like beeping at us. Why? I don't understand. It's just, it's why do people shout at runners? Why do people run alongside you in the park and think they're hilarious or say anything to anyone that walks past? It doesn't make any sense, but it happens. Yeah, it's odd. Need to get a line. Yeah. On to Patreon. If you want to support this nonsense, you can head to patreon.com forward slash running is BS. 
<laughs> Cider is not a good idea during a podcast. It makes you very gassy. And there are various levels of support for you, including $5, which gets you the glory of being read out in a vaguely positive manner, usually on the podcast itself. This time, those people are and have very special titles. Nobilissimus, Nikki Genders. Lord Great Chamberlain, Lisa Gibbon. Shaman, Simon Ross. Reverend Rob Smith. Admiral of the Fleet, Amanda Murray-Hind. Maharaja Maria Wicks. Khan Kirk Shepherd, And Viceroy, Victoria Dick. Then we have Elder Elliot Line, His Grace, Hugh Phillips. Justice Jay, Judge Julia Page. Brother Brian Simpson, Mademoiselle Matt Garner, Master of the Horse Matt Lease, and Centurion Clark Gilmore. Judge Julia Page is on ITV in the mornings, isn't it? It's a great show. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard of that. Uh, a little disappointed we didn't have any G's. I didn't get to use my favourite title, which is a gro- Groom of the Stool, which is a, an old one that, uh, like, particularly Henry VIII would have. And basically, that's the guy who wiped Henry VIII's ass. But it was considered a really um, honoured position because you got to be that close to him and obviously would have his ear as well as other things. Um, but yeah, groom of the stool. That's a, less exciting. Well, what do you make small talk about when you're wiping somebody's arse? Well, I suppose you can then get your influence then and if you've got things that you want to happen, you can like mention yeah. and, and I was going to say slip it in, but that's not appropriate in that situation. Oh yeah, like don't take all those that gold off those monks to fund a Spanish war. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Amy there with the uh, Catholic propaganda. <laughs> Serious side you're on. <laughs> that, that's what I've been trying to get into the podcast for so long. Very subtly, but I just made it Traitor. very like, obvious there. <laughs> You've just waited 47 episodes to get that in. Yeah, but I've been dropping hints. I've been dropping hints. Like Guy Fawkes or bloody hell. <laughs> They're there if you listen to them, definitely. <laughs> We're going to move on to our topic this week, which is more running films, because it's an idea we can do loads and it's easy to do. Um, the first one we've got here uh, is one that I watched a little while ago, um, but I, I need to talk about it because it's probably the most, I don't know if it's not like the best or most famous, but it's the most iconic running film there is, which is Chariots of Fire. <laughs> Everyone knows it. <laughs> yeah exactly everyone knows that non-runners know that everyone knows that theme tune everyone knows them running down the beach it's you know that scene is like really really famous in like movie history so i didn't know anything about the film other than that really first of all my first question is why is it called chariots of fire because there's a line that's never used in the film now i think apparently that's a line from the song jerusalem yeah and in the very beginning of the film there is a funeral scene where there's like a few people very obviously and badly made up to be like 80 years old mm. and they're singing Jerusalem then and it's a really pointless scene which top and tails the film mm. about you know one of the main characters died in like 1979 or something and for some reason they put his funeral in there before like yeah after and before that scene so at the beginning at the end is when they run down the beach mm. so it's like there's this bit of funeral scene and then there's the running down the beach uh, and that's the title sequence. Yeah. But the thing is, that scene doesn't take place in the film. No, I I thought that was very odd when I first watched it. Because I think everyone knows the scene, the iconic scene. And they may have seen it or they may just know of yeah. it. And you think that's going to be like a training session or something. Like You think that's mm-hmm. going to have like a... A, we're going to build to this and they're yeah. going to do this training session. It's going to mean something. Yeah. But no, that's just the title sequence. Mm. Yeah. And... 
as far as I can tell, because it's basically the story of people qualifying and competing in the 1924 Olympics in Paris. And they seem to be wearing like white t-shirts with, I think, like a Great Britain flag on. So all I can assume is this is like a training camp before they go out to Paris. But again, it doesn't take place in the film. It's never hinted at. You never actually really see the team together apart from on the boat on the way to France. And so that scene doesn't happen in the film. It's just, I don't, that's straight away. I was like, I don't understand. I thought, okay, this scene is going to come back in the film later on as part of their training montage. And it just doesn't. And it doesn't even make, so that just doesn't make any sense. Um, the whole point of the film, like the big race, the whole peak of the film it's a 100-meter race. There's these two uh, British runners, a guy that goes to Oxford or Cambridge University, can't remember which, they all look the same to me, and a Scottish guy who are competing against each other. And they go to the Olympics as, like, some of the best in the world. And in the end, you know, the, the main guy in the film runs the 100 meters. But we see the entire 100 meters in real time from the front. And so you just have no idea what's happening. I assume, like, the big 100-meter race is going to be in slow motion. You're going to get... Dun, 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 mm-hmm. And you're going to see him go... Running slowly and, like, looking over and beating the other... You know, getting past, then you see him edging ahead and then crossing... Like, but no, it's just real time, straight towards the camera. And so you don't see anything. You don't even... You can't even see if he's won. And there's just no tension in it. Like, for the the peak of the film, there's just no drama. And then after he wins, he just sulks. There's no victory, because there's this whole thing all the way through of, like, oh, the burden of winning. And because now he's got nothing to aim for, because it was such, like, a gentleman's sport that they didn't really celebrate that much. And it's just... Yeah, it's a really odd film. As much as I could tell about it, it's not actually really a film about running. It's a film about posh men. It's really all it is. It's posh men at university, um, posh men at the uh, Olympic Committee and like the Amateur Athletics Association, I guess. And it's just all about posh men doing posh things and then kind of sulking about it and being a bit racist. Mm. It's a really odd film. And I don't really get that. It's not actually a very good film, I don't think. And I don't understand why it's such a big deal. I, th- I think as well, like it, part of the reason why it's called Charis Fire that reference to jerusalem jerusalem the uh the hymn it's it's supposed to represent like englishness but it was probably made at a time when that wasn't as controversial to represent englishness as being posh and you know but like the second main character was scottish yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and very scottish mm. so that was kind of odd mm. it and he was very sulky all the time because he was uh, very involved with the church and they weren't sure about him leaving to... They, he wanted to go on a mission, but instead he was going to go to the Olympics instead. So he kind of mopes around a lot with that as well. And it's just a lot of moping and dreariness in it. Um, some of the things are good now. Like when they were training, the depiction of running overall was actually very good. Because like once they finish a race, they are completely fucked. Mm. Like some of the training races they do, like they just collapse and can't talk and breathe. And that's quite good. That was quite accurate. I did like that part of it. And one of the my favourite parts of it was the Americans at the Olympics because they're obviously all like being all very loud and American. And where as they're training, like the training they're doing, they must have injured so many extras doing it because they're doing these like incredible, like really jerky exercises, like kicking their legs as high as possible and throwing their elbows back and just like everything they do is just fast and jerky and awkward. Just like all these like, big strength things, and it just like it looks awful i can't believe people used to train like that 
So yeah, that's my main thing. Like Charitafire, the famous scene doesn't take place in the film. It's topped and tailed by a funeral scene that you can't really hear any of the dialogue for. Whose funeral and is doesn't, it? Like the, the main runner, oh, the guy okay. whose race we see that doesn't matter. Um, because he went on to be like the head of um, British athletics for years and years and like a, um, a stalwart of the athletic scene for like 40 years after that. So that kind of makes sense. And I think it was made shortly after he died. So that kind of made a bit more sense, perhaps at its time. But just generally, it's just not a great film. And it could have been so much better if it was actually about running mm. and not just about class, which it kind of mostly was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the bride's head revisited of running. You know, it's just kind of dull and dreary and just posh boys messing about. Because, of course, back then... Yeah. Running was quite exclusive because you weren't allowed to be paid for it. So you had like working yeah. class runners and some of them could perform at just the same level. But because they had to go out to work, you know, they, yeah. they weren't able to have that opportunity to compete in the Olympics and things like that. There was a, um, but it's a bit of an aside, but if anyone's read, which I think was around the same time, the book The Ghost Runner, which is really good, about mm. this guy who was um, banned from competing because he took a payment for a boxing match like years ago and then therefore he wasn't an amateur sportsman. Yeah. So he wasn't allowed to run. But he was he was winning races. He was just as good as some of these guys and he wasn't allowed to compete. So these running films around that time are the story of like basically posh blokes who can afford not to be paid for running. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the characters in particular, uh, Nigel Havers' character. I don't think I've ever seen Nigel Havers actually acting. I've only ever seen him like commenting on things on TV. But his character uh, was literally a lord uh, at, you know, at 21. And at one point he's training in his grounds and he's got hurdles set up with uh, champagne flutes on each one. To, and obviously the aim is to not knock any of them over. So, you know, that's the kind of level. It was just, he was a proper, proper Aristo kind of posh boy just playing. But you actually, Nigel Havers, by the look of it, was a pretty decent runner. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is some good running in the film, mm. but it's not about running. So no, no. I'm sorry, I'm just going to, I've just shat all over a classic film. No, I agree. A lot of these classics are a bit like, no substance to them, really. That's what I felt with Chariots yeah. of Fire. It's just really no substance to it. I can't even remember it very well. I remember watching it. I remember a few scenes, but I couldn't tell you like how the film progressed and anything like that because it wasn't that interesting. I remember being quite bored. It didn't bored. really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really progress. So there we go. Chariots of Fire, probably not worth watching. <laughs> I've got another one that's probably not worth watching. Um... Terrific. This is just what we want. <laughs> so... I had a look. What I was going to do is find like a really obscure running film. So I did like my like just typed running into Amazon Prime and see what comes up in Netflix. But a lot of them were just documentaries, and I kind of wanted something more fictional. Um, so I googled worst running film. Worst running films. <laughs> yes. Where I googled like running films, it's like the best running films of all time. It's like I don't want the best ones. I want the shit ones. Um, yes. So of course the Let's Run dot com forums came up. Uh, always a good source of. Um, things that are shit uh, and one of the suggestions on there is was a film called personal best which is from 1982 now what really got my attention was that it's basically a gay film which you know i run i'm gay this is the film that speaks to me you know this is perfect this is ideal this is ideal it's like and but then i saw the runtime it's like two hours long and i thought this is a long film it's better this better be really <laughs> two hours that's standard oh, amy come on hour and a half is standard two hours that's a long film i thought this this better be good you've watched too many b movies <laughs> this better be good so um 
for those of you who haven't heard or see, haven't heard about seen personal best, I've got a little thing from Wikipedia. So it says Chris Kyle, which Chris um, is, a, is a girl's name, Christine or Christine, whatever she's called. But Chris Kyle is a young track and field athlete who competes unsuccessfully in the 1976 US Olympic trials. She meets an experienced competitor, Tori Skinner, and their friendship evolves into a romantic relationship. The two Tori Skinner, that's a bit political. Oh, no. <laughs> that's the hard left for you. That, that would be my uh, super villain name, Tori Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> where David Cameron's face has a mask. Anyway, um, <laughs> while I'm beating poor people. The two are part of a group of women trying to qualify for the American track and field team bound for the 1980 Olympic Games. Despite their commitment to their training regime, their dreams are thwarted when the United States announces its boycott of the Games for political reasons, leaving them oh, with yeah. only the informal personal best the title marks hey. they achieved during training to connote their achievements um but what's... wait don't americans say personal record though yeah yeah and in the film is always referred to as a personal record but the title <laughs> of the film is personal best and this wikipedia article says personal best and i don't think that's just the okay. uk release i think because it was the you know it was a wikipedia so it'll be the, the okay. international okay. release so yeah i didn't get that either um, but what's interesting is Patrice, uh, Patrice Donnelly, who pay, who plays Tori in it, was a real-life track star. So she was okay. fourth-ranked hurdler in the world, and she attended the 1976 Olympics um, as a 100-metre hurdler for the United States, was eliminated in the heats, missing the semi-final by only 0.01 seconds. Oh. So she was like a proper track star, and you can tell because she looks... Mm. Um, in the film, she looks a bit older than like the other women in the film. Yeah. You can tell like she's trying to play like a young, not no shade or anything. She looks fine for her age, yeah. but what I'm saying is, yeah, you can tell she's playing outside her um, age group. So that's the synopsis for those who haven't heard of it. And I was surprised because as I was watching this film, which, you know, spoiler alert to the upcoming review, but it was really, really boring. Um, so I was like Googling like reviews for personal best and I was expecting them to be all shit and they were all pretty good. Like people seem to like this film for some huh. reason, which was odd because I thought it was bloody awful. So first you've got the characters. So Chris is a sort of girl who calls her dad, daddy, which really freaked mm. me out. Like straight away, yeah. her, her dad was initially her running coach. So she does this, she's in this competition, she flunks or something. And her dad's this like overbearing running coach. Um, so she goes like, daddy, I'm so sorry. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. You're an adult, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty down a bit. And she's just a bit dozy as well. And I think that's, this is the thing, like the film was really well reviewed because they said the character development was really good, but I thought it was hmm. shit. Because she starts out being like really dozy and annoying and then she progresses and becomes a bit more like self-assured. But I just think it's doing like a really clumsy way. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think part of the reason why the character development is so poor is because there isn't like a, a lot of dialogue. And I know there's that thing of like, show us, don't tell us and not putting too much dialogue in, but there's not enough. So half the time I wasn't... In a two hour film? Yeah, I wasn't... Still not enough dialogue. Well, well, half the time I wasn't really Ooh. sure what was going on. But you know why it's two hours? Is <laughs> because... Basically, about an hour, about half the film is dedicated to just slow motion shots of women running. Like, there's the, the two women, the main characters, mm. but also other women running. And, like, close-ups then on, like, their calves and, like, their muscles. It was weird. Yeah. It was really, like, it was 
designed for you know if we're talking like academically feminist sort of way like a male gaze do you know what i mean there's like <laughs> there's, two, there's two scenes where the women's running team are just like sat in a steam room talking like just completely butt naked and you're thinking there's no need for this scene to take place in the steam room there's no need for this i've just had a quick look and i, I can probably answer some of those questions it was directed produced and written by the same man yeah so and he also which is surprising. you can always tell this is why it was well received i think because he also um i think directed and produced chinatown which is like a classic again i'm not a fan of chinatown mm. but it's like a classic um he's like a class as like a neo-noir sort of thing so film mm. buffs who are into like chinatown probably looked at this film and thought oh yeah it's going to be really good and these shots of this woman's abs while she sits in a steam room that goes on for 10 minutes is really arty <laughs> It's just like really gratuitous, and you sat there thinking, "I don't need to see this." It's not progressing the plot. It's it's just bizarre. It was like a softcore porn, basically, because of how much like nakedness there was for no reason, like no reason whatsoever. There was no need for it. Was it basically like a female Top Gun? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> the, the film could have easily just been an hour long if they yeah. just put the actual because the plot itself is quite interesting so obviously it's just a relationship between these two women who go from like a friendship really quickly to a relationship i was like well what are we doing um they didn't really build for saying the film's two fucking hours they didn't really build it up um and then they end up being competitors because they're on the same team and they're trying to uh qualify for the olympics which they, they're not going to because America's boycotting it but they're trying to qualify anyway um but they're competing against each other and they end up having the same coach so in itself that's an interesting concept and that that's an interesting story but it was just all this all this slow motion and that's the other thing like in a lot of the scenes where they were running slow motion there was this like really heavy breathing over the top of it like really loud like no music just them running in slow motion close-ups on like various parts of their body and then just like really heavy breathing. And then um, Chris, one of the women, towards the end, spoiler alert, ends up with this bloke. So she ends up in a relationship with this bloke. But the way she met him was at the gym. She was at the gym with him and um, this guy, because Chris is meant to be very naive. Chris is like, uh, so sorry, this guy is like, can you spot me while I lift some weights? So Chris is like, yeah, of course. So Chris stands over him, and this guy's basically like looking up her shorts as as he as um she um yeah. spots him. That's what you do. Yeah, yeah. And I thought like this is gonna be the message in this is gonna be something about like um how naive she is, and she's gonna realize, and she's gonna stand up for herself, or she's gonna look back at it, or something like that, or it's just showing how this man's taking advantage advantage of her naivety. The next thing you know, they're going on a date, and they're like together. Like what? What? <laughs> What just happened? And then uh, the other thing as well that I just found just jaw-dropping is there's a bit of casual racism in there um, and also a really overtly racist joke that I'm not going to repeat that served no reason. Oh. You know how sometimes there's racism and racist jokes in film to sort of highlight what a terrible person somebody is yeah. or a racist they It was nothing like that. It was just a racist joke. <laughs> Uh-huh. About um about a Chinese man, so you can imagine how how that might have gone. Um, it was a different time. It was a different time than the late nineteen seventies. It was just, it was yeah. just, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. And then they made um, I think they were in, I think they were in Rio or something. And then they, they basically, it was just like this really derogatory 
comment about how they felt like giants among all these people in this market and it just felt really off it just felt really like yikes you know um what i do love as well the fact that you're so kind of vague about what happened and where you watched this what two nights ago i watched it i watched it this morning <laughs> and you still don't really know what happened i don't because it, it, <laughs> there was no clear plot i was watching it and we'd be in one place doing one thing so we'd be say um in their, wherever they're based. <laughs> I don't know where they're based. Training. And then the next moment, we're in like fucking Rio. And Chris is crying in the shower and saying she's burning up and she's got some mystery illness. And they bring in some other person to look after her. And I'm like, what is happening here? Why are we, why are we suddenly <laughs> in the showers? And of course, because of this mystery illness, they had to like pull a top up. So all you see are like her pants and this close up on like her crotch. I'm like, what is, what is the relevance of this? What is going on? But it, it, it just baffles me because there's all these like really positive reviews saying how great the character development is and how, I don't know, it, I think it, it was a film that tried, tried to be arty in a way. And I think some people took it as being arty but it's very of its time and there was a lot of sort of late 70s early 80s music in there that didn't really fit the scenes that it was going with and it was just very bizarre and there was this scene where there was this party again i think when they were in rio we suddenly jumped to a scene of like a house party and it looks like other um like olympic hopefuls and athletes are there i assume i don't Mm -hmm. know no one explained this is the thing Sometimes you have to tell as well as show because I don't know what I'm being shown here, you know? Just a bit of dialogue between two characters say, oh yeah, we're going to this party later or something. Just so I'm clued in as well as the viewer what's going on, where we are, what we're doing. Or just like, oh, we're going to Rio now or where are they going, you know? Or a shot of an airport or something so I get an idea of what's the A little bit of library footage of a plane, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. And then like... Rio on the map or something and the plane landing. I don't know. <laughs> um, but they're in this like they're in this party and of course it's an American sort of it's meant to be like a high school vibe party and it, of course the guy's got an acoustic guitar but he's singing this song that I think is about doping in sports. He's singing this really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because all the characters talk about is training and sports and that's that's all they do. That they're like really two diamond they're like um like a non-playable character, an NPC in a computer game. That's all they talk about. They have this one role, and that's all they do. So even at this party, this guy's strumming this acoustic guitar, and he's not playing Wonderwall. He's singing this really bizarre song he's made up about doping, and then what a shame it is. I can't remember the drug he's referring to, but what a shame it is there's this drug in sport, and I'm just like, what? What is going- Why are we at this party? <laughs> Why is this guy singing? Why? Uh, it, it was just... I just thought it was a mess, and maybe it's because... I'm a philistine or something and I don't understand film and all, but I just thought it was a complete mess. I I don't know, like it was really well praised for some reason. Again, I think it's just because it was trying to look arty and it wasn't particularly is it because it was quite an early kind of lesbian orientated film yeah, yeah. and perhaps that's a bit of praise. Yeah, but it, it's clumsy in, in our modern eyes, but perhaps then it was a bit more that's risque. The thing, yeah, and I, I understand if you're reviewing if you were reviewing this in the nineteen eighties, then sure, I think it would have different a different value. But you can tell it was very much made for a male audience the way it was made. It was just yeah. the whole thing. And the acting was great, like don't get me wrong, even the um 
what's her name? The the, the, the woman who played Tori, who's obviously an athlete. Mm. I don't know whether she had acting experience before or after or whatever, but she's mm. she's a great actor. Like the acting was absolutely mm. fine. It was just the way it was shot and the story progression. It was that weird mix of being really slow, literally with slow motion. And then really fast in the sense you're like, whoa, where are we now? What's going on? It's like an episode of bloody Doctor Who or something. It was traveling around so quickly. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, the story was interesting. I only knew the story because I Googled it and I looked it up or else I think I'd be a bit lost. Um, mm. And the only thing to comment on about the running was they were wearing two different color shoes for some reason. I don't know whether that was it. <laughs> that, that's it. That, that's <laughs> your analysis of the running. <laughs> they were wearing, both of them wearing shoes and there were different colours on each foot. And I didn't know whether that was like a trend in the 70s. But that was about it. It was just, the running aspect of it was just like, go. There was not really much to comment on. It was just, that's all. And that's all they talked about was like athletics and running. And it, that, that was the main issue. There was no character progression in that sense. And there was no plot progression. So I, I got I understood from reading about the film that the whole point was around this they were then put into competition with each other, but there needed to be more dialogue. So we understood like how they were feeling and what was happening. I think that was the problem with it. So less shots of, you know, women working out and more actual dialogue and character development would be great. So despite the kind of uh, softcore in there, you're not recommending this film? No, and let you know what you know what it'd be perfect for, man or woman, anyone who's in, who has like you know some people have like fetishes for like really muscly women, you know, mm-hmm. perfect, absolutely perfect. This is okay. the film for you because that's what it seemed to be focused on. It made me a bit uncomfortable. I felt like I was sitting in someone else's fetish. It was bizarre. <laughs> it was absolutely bizarre. I felt wrong watching and the heavy breathing. Like That's I, a good phrase. I had the, the door open a bit because um, because it's stuffy in here while I was watching it. And just the heavy breathing. I had to keep shutting the door because it was sounded absolutely bizarre. It was really, really <laughs> odd. And that's the other thing. The sound quality. I don't know whether it's like our speakers, but the sound quality, the way it's mixed is shit. So they go from like whispering really quietly to really fucking loud. So um, that's probably why I didn't catch half the film because I couldn't bloody hear it. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> Chariots of Fire and Personal Best. Don't bother watch them unless you like shit films. Yeah, or you like muscly women or posh blokes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Who doesn't, frankly? <laughs> wow, this has taken a long time so far. We've got a lot to bang through here, Amy. Come okay. on, let's be good. Now. Let's do this. Get through this. <laughs> right. right. Uh, your messages. Yep. Um, as seen on Facebook and sent to us by Jonathan Carter and Matt Garner. And I think this image has made it everywhere now. I've seen it on Reddit. I've seen it all over the place. Uh, It's this lovely image. Um, Apparently it's in Croydon, United Kingdom. But I've seen this image as um, attributed to lots of different places. But I think this is the original post. So Croydon, United Kingdom. (laughs) says It's been posted to Shitland and it says someone's been caught out. Poo emoji face and it's a picture of a sign that's been stuck into the ground and it says to the girl who shits here every day when out running please stop it this area is not a public toilet go home and do it <laughs> i think because i've seen this Thank i've seen this um said to be like in america and other places but that's very british <laughs> go yes. home and do it <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> That's so unnecessary to add, but so wonderful that they have added it. Go home and do it. Oh, what is it with these public shitters? And these public shitters, 
they do do it every day. I don't. That's what I don't understand. It's not like, um, yeah. you know, our person who wrote don't in. Don't do it in the same place. Come yeah. on. And I'm sure there was an Mix escape on this route. They could have made their escape. Yeah. But I don't understand Absolutely. every single day. If I was shitting myself every single day, I'd have to stop running for a bit until I knew what was the matter. <laughs> Yeah, you know? yeah. There's there's a deeper problem here. Yeah, clearly. yeah. Who shits? Who beats a shit every day on their run and carries on? You know what I mean? Like carries on that routine. So strange, right? Uh, another one from Facebook is kind of a, a longer story that someone posted, which is kind of incredible, uh, but leads to a, a massive anticlimax. So just be ready for that. In 1960, in Wales, poor Jean Gowan could not make up her mind which of the two identical twin brothers to marry. A very reasonable ultra-running solution resulted. Howard and Vaughan Clark would race 100 miles to win her hand. She said, we think this is the best way. The winner can take me to the school ball on Saturday, then we'll get the engagement ring. She met the two at a university dance. From then on, she'd date first one and then the other, and sometimes couldn't be sure which one had showed up to take her out. When the dating blossomed into love, well, things got more confusing by the moment. Tell you what, this should be a film. Yeah. The race began on February 19th, 1960. After the twins reached the 20-mile mark, Vaughan Clark was grabbed by students packed into a waiting car who kidnapped him. Howard then sadly quit the race and said, this has wrecked all of our plans. It was believed that Vaughan was taken to the Liverpool campus by students who opposed the gamble for a lady. Jean was in a quandary and said, all this does is increase the suspense and frustrate us all. I do hope Vaughan will be returned so he can continue the race. I love them both. Vaughan was released and an abbreviated version of the race was then scheduled but stopped when parents of the three stepped in. They said no engagement would take place. The three soon admitted that the love race was a hoax and they did it as a publicity stunt to put Banger on the map. <laughs> I told you it was anticlimax to that and what the fuck? What? How did they come up with this as an idea and how did they think this was somehow make Banger Wales famous? Well, it did. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about it 60 years yeah, on. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that would make an all right film. Not a good film, but an all right film. Yeah, in sort of the feel of the producers, you know, oh, how are we going to put Banger on the map? Why don't we do a yeah. hundred mile race? <laughs> Two twins to win a woman's marriage. Yeah. One would be played by Ron Atkinson. The other one, I don't know. So <laughs> Like Seth Rogen or something <laughs> for the international yeah, audience. <laughs> <laughs> We've also had an anonymous email, uh, keeping this anonymous in order to protect the son's future dignity. So they say, walking the dog with my son, he declares he needs to go to the loo. Quickly established it was a number two. Oh dear. This is this is rhyming. Is it going to rhyme throughout? I hope so. <laughs> We're fairly close enough to home. I ask him to hold on like a big lad. Only we come up short and he unloads in his pants anyway. Oh, the imagery here is amazing. <laughs> Understandably, he's distraught, but thankfully able to get most of it out with a doggy poop sack I don't even want to know the logistics of that. <laughs> oh. Once we get home, me and his mum deal with it as parents do, and she has a genius idea to reassure him. He's destined to be an ultra runner, so we turn Poopgate around on its head and say ultra runners poop wherever and whenever they have to. Both of us able to recount moments we've had to wild poop. He was much happier after that as he felt vindicated. I'd be careful Aww. of that. That's years of like toilet training potentially going backwards there with that <laughs> with that little statement. <laughs> He's shitting in the playground. I'm an ultra runner. <laughs> 
Regarding picking it up, surely picking it up in a poop bag once you've done is the way. Use the hand inside the bag technique and you shouldn't get any on your hands. Though if you've had the squirts, you've probably got bigger issues to worry about. Yeah, I mean, any dog owner knows. If you poop, just pick it up in a bag. If it's the squirts, put some leaves over it. Hope for the best. Hope maybe sort of... And run away. Yeah, yeah. run away. (laughs) What I like about the story is he doesn't say whether the sun is three or 18. (laughs) Or it could be anywhere in there. You know? <laughs> yeah, it could, could be anywhere in there, frankly. Oh, God. Oh, bless him. It's kind of a good idea, but as you say, that could, yeah, the toilet training could go to ruin. Yeah, because ultra runners do poo anywhere, but when they're running, not like. <laughs> yeah, as well, as far as we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's that time? <clears throat> it's the bullshit running news. It's the bullshit running news. It's the bullshit running news. With Amy and Stuart. From Runner's World, Irish ultra runner Ian Bailey has set the Everesting world record. He ran the equivalent height of Everest, which is 8,848 metres, in 11 hours and 17 minutes, beating the old record by just two minutes. He ran Northern Ireland's highest mountain 37 times. He was half an hour up after 30 laps, but cramp kicked in on the steep descents and the weather worsened, but he held on and plans to head to the World Mountain Running Championships in Lanzarote in November. Oh, 37 times up a mountain. That's mad. That's miserable. Yeah. Again, it's the ultra runners are loose and we can't do anything to stop them. No, no, that's that's nuts. And beating the record by two minutes. Oh, that would have been tense. As well, imagine to know, I'm not sure if perhaps the last time he got down, probably someone would have told him, what position what kind of shape he was in and trying to sprint up that last hill after 11 hours would have been hell not knowing if you've got it or not yeah because these like longer these ultra runs and stuff like that is normally by like you know at least half an hour or an hour you're beating someone but for two minutes that's very close close. (laughs) yikes from the BBC, a runner has told of the traumatic cow attack he suffered on a public path in Pentland Hills Regional Park on the outskirts of Edinburgh. I do hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Probably not. Mark Hartree said the cow knocked him to the ground before lying on top of him and thrashing its head against him. He was bruised and bloodied but escaped over a fence and is fine. There are now signs of reminding walkers and runners never to get between a cow and its calf and keep as far from them as possible. Uh... It's funny, like oh. they say about the sign, because I think it's only once he was in that situation he realised he was in that situation. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he expected it. Um, I think he's, a, you know, he's a really experienced runner as well, and it just, it just happened to he got a little too close, perhaps without realising. Yeah, but the cow l- laid on top of him, smashed him with his head, and then stood up and then lay on him again. Yeah, that's psychopathic. And cows are heavy, man. I didn't. I. I wouldn't expect a cow to behave like that. Maybe that's a common thing they do for the dairy farmers out there who are listening. If you could let us know, I would have thought, I thought cows just charged at you and just knocked you down. I wouldn't have thought they'd they laid yeah. on top of you. And it sounded like they were trying to kill him, basically. This one was pissed off. Yeah. yeah. I, this is why I never go in a field with cows. Doesn't matter what time of year it is. Doesn't matter if there's calves. No, I don't mess with them. Yeah, I did have a quick look and I just double checked just to, you know, give a little bit of a PSA here about when you, if you do, obviously not here, Amy, uh, go in a field with cows. Uh, you always move calmly away from the cows. Keep as far from them as possible around the edge of the field if you can. Always keep your dog on a short lead. And if you've got like a crazy dog that barks too much, just don't take it in there because farmers are legally allowed to shoot your dog yeah. if they're chasing or disturbing their livestock. Mm-hmm. You need, if your dog 
if you don't trust your dog to be well behaved, just don't get him in that situation because that's scary. If you do get chased uh, and you have a dog, you let go of it and let it run. Don't try and protect the dog because the dog can outrun you. And also the cow can outrun you as well. So the, generally the vices apparently don't try and outrun them because they'll catch you and hit you from behind unless you're very close to the edge of the field. Uh, basically you have to make yourself really loud and big and chase the cow back the other way, oh God. which is a ballsy thing to try and do but apparently is the best, unless you're like really close to the edge. Also, apparently, if there's a decent downhill, cows apparently can't run downhill very well. Or do they just become like reason? a cow, like rolling stone out of, you know, oh, race yeah, of the lost ark or something. Yeah, you know? okay, that could happen. The other thing, but they, this is what I read. The other thing you could do with your dog is like break their legs so they can't run them. Use them as bait while you run off. You you just have to run faster than the dog then and the cows will be distracted. If you can just boot the, yeah, boot the uh, dog as hard as you can. <laughs> How is this the advice we're giving? <laughs> How have we got to this position? God. When Finley was sick on the floor and I had to clean it up last week. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, William pissed on the floor this morning. Our previous guest fell runner, Ruth Keeley, she's posted a blog about further issues arising from the London Marathon postponement. And this is a bit complicated as well. But basically, Ruth qualified for the London Marathon by banging out a 1.30 half marathon, which I didn't know you could do. And um, that, ent- that entitled her to enter the championship race for the next two years, which is kind of a step above good for age. It's entering, you know, like, I guess the British championships. So, you know, along with everyone else, her place to first to 2020 run, right? Well, apparently not, because anyone who qualified before January 2019, as she did, has to re-qualify by running a virtual marathon in three hours 15. And that's only eight weeks after they announced... Uh, you had to do that. So you've got eight weeks to train for a virtual 315 marathon. Uh, That's bonkers. If she failed to qualify, she'd get a place in the mass race for 2023, which is, you know, okay, I guess they've tried to do something there, but they've now changed it again. And it's now possible to re-qualify with a half marathon time, but this is now on an even shorter time scale and it has to be 128. So you have to run a 128 half marathon in your local park and stick it on Strava to then qualify and it's just i can see our point it's really complicated couldn't you cheat like couldn't you cheat at that oh, of course you could that's yeah that's what i don't understand yeah. like how are they using virtual races as a qualifier surely that it would be more accurate to just stick with the before jan 2019 within reason you know you don't want like qualification from 2010 or something but to stick with with that for the people that qualify yeah. then getting them to run a virtual marathon or half marathon because that's bonkers you could very easily go out on a bike or something and do it at like a certain pace i don't understand. Yeah, to give it to someone else yeah yeah, I, yeah exactly give it to someone else to bang out i don't understand how how you qualify using a virtual and also that's the other thing like if you make that qualifying time within like 30 seconds your gps could be wrong do you know what i mean mm, yeah. like well, GPS probably, is, it will be yeah yeah gps or you could miss out because your gps is wrong I don't. The whole point of qualifying for London Marathon is that you do it at an official race with, you know, properly, you know, measure yeah. properly and all those things. This is just absolutely mad to be, to be using virtual results, basically Strava results or whatever, as yeah. proof. It's bizarre. Yeah, I just found it really odd that you can qualify for the London Marathon by running a fast half marathon because yeah. those are very different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you basically then got to do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I found that very strange as well. Mm. Very strange all round. Okay, so a bit of a quickie to finish. Kiwi runner Robbie Johnston 
was disqualified after winning his age category in a cross-country race for spitting, which he denies. <laughs> Put on a bit of a Kiwi accent then, which he denies. <laughs> Wasn't me. It's <laughs> <That's> close enough. <laughs> he was the only person disqualified that day, and he feels Athletics New Zealand are making an example of him. Yeah, it could be a bit harsh, but I guess that's the new restrictions, apparently not allowed to spit during a race, which kind of makes sense, I guess. But as he said, he denies he denies it, but it would be quite easy for another runner to say like, yeah, I definitely saw him spitting yeah. and nudge you, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw him as well, yeah. And New Zealand are really uh, on it, aren't they? Because they they managed initially to like reduce yeah. their COVID stuff right, right down. I think it's gone up a bit again. They went like back into some sort of lockdown, yeah. but I think they're really... Uh, stringent on it so i get it mm. it's just one of those things strange times and all that just let it go <laughs> yeah yeah what can you do mm. bit of shame uh, there's also another amazing story about someone who ran a naked race in florida i think we'd have to do that next time there's a little bit of a tease there for you because it's amazing so Stuart, what have you got coming up next <laughs> nothing at all amy how about you Nothing. Well, I'm not running the Vogum today. <laughs> no, you're not. So obviously not that. So that's about it. I'm hoping to get out running again next week. This is the thing. Like my thinking at the moment is that my knee isn't actually damaged. My actual knee. Um, I'm. I think it's just the scab, but it's been so painful that it's been hard to tell. So I'm hoping next week I can gingerly start running a bit again and see how it goes. And it'll be a while before I take the dog out. <laughs> again. So a final shout out to our Patreon $1 donors. Louise, Harry, Rich, Larry, Charlie, Len, Anthony, Matt, John, Moena, Steph, Victoria, Matt, Matt, Angela, Paul, Liz, Jonathan, Chris. Hooray. And if you've enjoyed this bullshit, you can visit runningisbs.com to see the show notes and the links from this episode and the whole back catalogue as well as links to our Patreon, our merch store and our social medias. Bye. See you soon. Enjoy not running much as usual. I will. I will be running. I'm building on my mileage again. Okay. <laughs> well, I felt like I was sitting in someone else's fetish.